coming to you from the pit in Royal Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Shit, let's do shit. Hey guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Doc, and we're talking about everything. Everything, just everything. Martial arts, MMA, UFC, sports medicine, uh, love, relationships, life, life. Uh, we're life coaches on life the side. Life coaches, good. Yeah. Any, any questions, guys, let us know. And we're, we're, we're both out of town. That's why this podcast is a few days late. But, John, you were in uh I was in Coronado, beautiful, right? beautiful Coronado, California, which is an island right off of San Diego. So almost to Mexico. So you drove how many hours south? It's about six. And I drove five and a half hours north. And we're both still in the same state. <laughs> the state is huge. Yeah. So we drove up to the mountains way north of Yosemite, and you drove south. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you never leave California, man. This state's got, it's got it all. Sure, it's got a little So how was Coronado? Coronado is, is a beautiful little town. It's, um, it's a little island. It's really high-priced, and it's really... Um, it's like a retirement place now. It, not, it didn't used to be. It was, like, mainly military and middle-class working people. A lot of people worked on the Hotel Del Coronado, which is, I think it's the oldest hotel in the country or something. So it has some kind of, it has a record. I think that's the record. But my dad used to work there in high school as a bellboy in the summers. And then my mom, my grandma worked there for 30 years in the, in the, um, in the laundry room. And I just love it there. I used to go there when I was a kid and visit my grandma until she died. Um, so I bring the family over there on the in you know once once a year, and we just hang out there. And it's a beautiful little little island. You get there by uh, a bridge, um, and I love it there. So and the water's warm, so you can just bring your boogie boards and like go out, and you don't have to wear a wetsuit. Yeah, that's one nice thing about the water down in San Diego. Yeah. It's a lot warmer than our water here. And where were you in? Uh... We, we, every year we go up north of Yosemite in a little town called Twainheart. It's a town of probably, I don't know, less than 2,000 people. But I know a guy that has a cabin there, so we stay at his cabin every year and just go do, you know, outdoor stuff. We, uh, we go boating usually one day. The kids like to go behind the boat on a tube, which is a lot of fun. Um, this year we did something new. I don't know if you've ever done this. We went whitewater rafting. I've never done that before, but my kids are all finally old enough. My youngest one's old enough where if he fell in, I wouldn't be as worried about him. He's a good swimmer. But it was a ton of fun. You have a guide on the back making sure you hopefully don't crash into some rocks, but you can pick different level of trips, like how severe the rapids are. I think we got up to... a. A four, whatever. They go up to five. Five's pretty nuts. But we got up to, uh, like, level or grade four rapids, which is pretty good. I mean, you can get all six of us, our whole family on the boat, plus the guide, um, and go down the river. And you get to see that you go with a bunch of other boats. So you get to see how them go through the rapids, too. It's pretty fun. I would definitely do that again. Huh. 
I would never do that. <laughs> we no should re- totally go do that. It was a blast. There's no reason I'd want to do that ever. <laughs> it was I, so much fun. You're I, outside. First of all, you're outside up like in Yosemite area. It's just beautiful. It's yeah. granite and pine trees. It's very different than here. Um, and you're off the beaten path because you're on a river. You're not near the freeway or anything. Um, it's just beautiful. It's a ton of fun. And then it slows down. And it gets really deep, and you can swim. You can jump off the boat and swim and stuff, and the raft's still going really slow. And then before the next rapids, you get, everybody gets back on, and you go through the next set of rapids. Everyone's got their oar. you know, you got three on a side. And then the guide is telling you to, like, you know, which way you got to oar forward or backward on the right or left and how many times to get you to, in the right position to go through the river. This is pretty fun. you got to work as a team. I was worried <laughs> with the family. you got to work as a team. But we didn't flip over. We did fine. How do you get back? Because you don't go up the rapids. So once you get all the way down, they have a bus. Uh, so they take the boats back somehow, and then you all ship back up to where you started. So it's kind of like glamping. No, man. It's roughing it. Man. It's roughing you, you'd be roughing it if you had to like get back up, but you got a bus waiting for you. So it's glamping. The bus is actually probably scarier than that rafting, because the bus is this old bus, and it's on this old train track road way above the river that's dirt and it's straight down into the river and you're and the guy's flying and you're going the whole way right along the river back up the river scarier i would say scarier than the actual rafting for sure (laughs) was that the same river they filmed deliverance i have no idea where they filmed that but our guide told us it was the same spot where david hasselhoff was in his boat and slid off into the water because he was wearing a Speedo and sitting on the raft. And it was all sunscreened up and then it's sliding right off the raft into the river. Oh so that was good. <laughs> all right. Anyway, we'll have to go back, John. I think I, you, you would enjoy it. No. So we did, that was new for us. We did that. And then yesterday we did a, I don't know, 8 or 10 mile hike up around a different lake. And to see where all the waters, the snow melts coming down through the, the granite. It's pretty cool. Hmm. We did a big hike yesterday. It was good. It's just getaway time with the family. So the the kids are okay with the hike. It's uh yeah yeah they can all hike. They're all fine. It's a pretty good hike though. You're climbing up some big boulders and it's a real hike. Huh. Um. And then on the way back, the lake's pretty big. That was Pinecrest Lake. Wait, but when you're going up boulders, doesn't that mean you can fall? Yeah, you could. Wait, could you die on this? Yeah, but I don't know. I doubt people. Is it like half dome? Die very often. I don't think it's as sheer a cliff as half dome. People slide off half dome. This is more like boulders. None are bigger than the size of this room. So you're climbing. You're not going to fall that far if you fell. Like half dome, I think you fall thousands of feet if you fall. It's like game over if you fall. But anyway, so we came back down the hike, down from the big granite area and the and the like river. Back to the lake, and the lake's probably, I don't know, it's about four miles around the lake, but the kids, a couple of my kids wanted to swim back across the lake, and they made it about halfway, and that they were out enough, it was too cold, mm. and they swam back in, but they, it was a good good family trip, good getaway yeah. time. Yeah, same with that. You can like regroup and take a deep breath. Yeah, that's what we do in Coronado every year, so I, I got to go to the uh, uh, Navy SEALs training facility. Because I know a Navy SEAL over there. That's where the Navy SEALs trained, Coronado. Yeah, they don't let anybody in there, right? I, I Yeah, the one thing they made me give up was my cell phone, because I wanted to take pictures, and they wouldn't. They go, no, your cell phone stays here. But they took me into this training facility, and uh, it's an impressive group. I mean, 
you know what they do, Navy SEALs. And then when you see them there, it's just like a bunch of regular guys. One of the guys was wearing s- slippers like I do, and, and and he had like regular clothes. And he looked like he was 15. I was like, bro, how what is this like the junior division of the SEALs? He was like, no, I'm 26. I was like, holy shit. He'd been to Afghanistan three times already. He's done three tours in Afghanistan. I was like, and he's married. And I was like, just imagining looking at this guy, thinking he's like a 15-year-old baby-faced kid, and what's what's going on inside of his head, what kind of shit he's seen already. It was like, that's fucking impressive. I mean, these guys are like, these are Navy SEALs, like SEAL Team 5, SEAL Team whatever. And these are the guys that go over there and do all kind of crazy shit. And it's like, I was just hanging with them to tease them. I kept calling them Army because they, they don't like that, you know. So I go, oh, you're an Army guy. And they go, uh, no, we're in the Navy. We're Navy SEALs. And I was like, oh, so you're not in the Army? And so that became like the joke, you know. So I'm lucky so they shoot me. What's their training facility like? It is old school, like just a bunch of hangers and... and um. And warehouses. But, with that said, they just bought, like, a fucking just city block. Or even bigger. I think it's bigger than a city block. And it's, it's going to be the state of the art. Like a 50,000 square foot building. Just for their hand-to-hand combat stuff. 50,000 square feet. And they're going to have, like, just training facilities. State of the art. The newest kind of craziest shit and I was there driving on the area where it's gonna all happen and now there's like temporary warehouses and stuff but it's gonna be like a fucking state of the art uh, facility and, and, and it should be I mean it's our fucking that's our first line of defense guys Navy SEALs you know military guys so like when you think of shit like how much is this gonna cost you think Oh, we're spending that much on this, that much on this. I don't think that way when it's that much on fucking Navy SEALs. It's like, you can't spend too much on Navy SEALs because they're the ones that are going to keep us speaking English. So That's one way to look at it. Yeah. So what did you get to witness like them doing some training? Yeah, I watched them do some hand-to-hand training stuff. The guy just wanted, to, um, wanted me to check it out. He's like, if you don't like it, man, don't say a word. You know, we'll talk about it later, but you know, I like to. He he wants to get me in there to do some, some training, uh, so he has to go through some different um, channels and then get me in there. So were the guys training with like gear on and stuff, like sparring? Yeah, they had sparring gear and they were going through techniques, and it looked like an MMA MMA. Uh, it looked like an MMA team practice, to be honest. You know, so they were doing a lot of MMA drills and stuff, and. So grappling stuff. They're doing some grappling, clinching. I don't. I saw some kicking. I didn't see any punching, but it was it was interesting to say the least. Yeah, I would imagine they'd always have a weapon on them, also. Yeah. Kind of like kind of like when people talk about Krav Maga, it's like, well, these are the baddest dudes out there. Like, and I I I agree. I think the Israeli guys are the most prepared fucking army on the planet. They have the most activity defending their own country. But they don't do it with their hands. They don't do it hand-to-hand. They have missiles and bombs and guns and shit like that. So I don't really understand the whole Krav Maga thing. I'm not saying it's 
bad or good. I don't know much about it, but when they start talking about, you know, uh, um, Israeli army or Israeli, you know, commandos, I don't think hand to hand. I don't think they conquer or defend their lands with their hands. I think they do most of it with, uh, with the weapons. Like the Navy SEAL guy admitted, one of the guys said, I've never been in a fight. And yeah, I shoot people. I fucking, you know, we, we, we throw hand grenades. We do M1, you know, M203, you know, grenade launchers and shit. But we don't ever get to a hand-in-hand fight, you know. But with that said, they want to learn it just in case. But I don't think, I don't think Krav Maga guys actually use their hands. So I think See, that's... What I think Navy SEALs, though, I think of them infiltrating an area where they might not belong... And it could get into close quarter stuff, building to building. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're if you're breaching Osama bin Laden's compound, somebody could come out of a closet, and then all of a sudden you're in yeah no, hand so, to hand, so take down defense and that kind of stuff. So would yeah. So the guy did say it's important to learn, and they should know it. But you know, most people that learn CPR never use it, but it's good to know. You know? Also, those guys are probably carrying around I don't know how many pounds of equipment when they're in the field. It's like probably a lot. Like 60 or 70 pounds. So that whatever they're doing in their MMA type style thing, they're wearing a ton of equipment too. Well, speaking of that, uh, Michael Bisping to, did, said two things that I say all the time. I don't know if he's watching my social media or what. Or what. One thing he said, they were talking about down, uh, takedowns. He goes, well, to be honest, the left hook is the best takedown. You know how many times I've said that? I've said that probably... I did hear him say that. Yeah, I've said that so many times. And the other thing he said was, one of the guys was getting a little more tired than the other guy. He goes, well, physical conditioning is as, as important as any other aspect of, of martial arts. I say that every day. So it, it not only it proves two things. Number one, that he watches my social media. And number two... That the shit is right. If Michael Bis Michael the Count Bisping saying it, as well as Joe Rogan, um, it must be true. Yeah, the other thing you notice when you watch some of these fights is you watch like the big guys fight, and even if they have the same conditioning, if you can get your opponent to expend more energy than you, you all of a sudden have a big advantage. And I think that happened with um, the left hook that landed with Volkan Ozdemir. He was, uh, I think his Latifi got tired. I don't know. Did you see that when he finally... Yeah. Um, I think that happened for you know, a lot of reasons, but I mean, they were both expending similar energy. I think Latifi started getting a little more uh, a little more uh, desperate for the takedown, so he was expending energy trying desperation takedowns. Um, and I think uh, Vulcan was a lot calmer. But I, I, he probably was in better shape too. You know, and... and uh, um, a lot of, a lot of different body types, you know, make you better at certain things. Um, that's kind of a blanket statement. It's not always true, but I think, I think I, I feel good saying it. I mean, a lot of times super muscular guys have better fast twitch and they're, they have more dynamic power, but their overall conditioning like once the second round comes, you're like, oh shit, okay, it's not gonna be that much of a badass. Where a lot of the taller, thinner guys um, don't have as much power with their punches. They don't have as much explosive power, um, but they they seem to be able to last longer. 
because they're more slow to twitch. Kind of like a marathon runner versus a sprinter. So I think that had to do a lot with the uh, Latifi. Also, the knees, I think, did a lot, had a lot to do it. When you're getting beat up, and Michael Bisping, another great point. When you're getting beat up, you get a lot more tired than if you're beating someone up. You could be expending all the energy in the world, but if you're beating the person up, you're, you're expending less energy than he is getting beat up. Now, with that said, if you're swinging like really swinging wild and the other guy is dot bobbing and weaving, kind of like uh, Ali with uh, George Foreman, if you're making them miss their attack, they're going to get more tired. But if they're doing damage, damage tires you out. Damage tires you out. Yeah, so that's the tweet. <laughs> so that, so that fight that that fight ended with an actual um it ended before it ended. Uh he was pretty much done with those knees and, and just solid shots he was taking. But then uh Vulcan just walked in and threw a fish hook, which is a hook that comes up at a 45 degree angle and it's to be used by a taller opponent or by a fighter that's fighting someone that's coming in low, like for takedowns. So it's coming up at an angle, so it's much more effective with taller fighters. If you if you realize, like um, guys like um, uh, Francis Nagano used that same punch against the Alistair Overeem, um, and Vulcan used it last night. It's called the fish hook. Yeah, I called it a left hook, but yeah, the type of left hook. It's called the fish hook. Yeah. But he he hit him, and he was pretty open when he yeah. hit him with that. And he was pretty much And down. then he hit him, I think, with a couple more. He hit him with another <laughs> fish hook while he was on the ground. While he's on the ground. Yeah. And he he went back in the post-fight. I don't know. I saw him talking, I think, on the post-show. I think these guys trained together or friends. And he yeah. said, looking at the footage afterwards, he felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> because I, he hit him after he was down a couple more times. I've actually had that happen. Fighting someone you know, you feel bad about He said he that. saw the replay and then he felt bad. I'm like, yeah, at least in the moment, um, he did what he had to do. But yeah. But I think their friends or training partners going into that. Speaking of feeling bad, you know when people when people hunt, which I'm totally against game hunting, but then people like the PETA people say we're the only we're the only uh, species of uh, uh, you know species that that actually kills other species just for the pleasure of it. Every other species on this planet only kills for survival. Uh, well, let me just tell you something. My dog killed a fucking rat yesterday and played with it. Played with it while it was dying, and then when it finally died, it just walked away. It was bored. It killed it just for game. And then today, which was really sad, my other dog, Daisy, my little Boston Terrier. The most vicious dog you own. She killed, she killed a mole, a little tiny harmless mole, killed it, and then kind of played with it a little, and then... And then walked away and left it there. And I was I had to dispose of it. But I was thinking, I was thinking, and then I'm thinking cats. Cats always like play with mice and kill it. And then they don't eat it, they leave. Uh, chickens kill, uh, kill, their, kill a lot of um, other little animals and insects. Um, so I'm thinking, we're not the only ones that. My, my little dog it made me look at him and think, or her and think, man, you're a bitch. She just killed it for the hell of it. Didn't even wasn't even hungry. I overfeed those dogs, and they still kill rats, mice, and moles, and gophers. 
And if you look at, those are domesticated yeah. animals, but if you look at wild animals, I remember watching like a Planet Earth or something recently with my son, and these killer whales were um, targeting a basically a baby gray whale or something, and it was with its mother, and they basically tired, these orcas came along and just tired them out until they couldn't fight anymore, until the mother couldn't fight anymore, and they just kept tiring them out, tiring them out, and then until they got so tired that they killed the baby and just ate its liver and then left left the rest, or ate its tongue or something like that, and then left the rest of it and just swam away. After, like, days of chasing this thing and tormenting it, it was just brutal. It was like, that's that's nature right there. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, but this what... doesn't make, this is no defense of people who no, support I No, I'm not a sport <laughs> hunter. I'm a, I'm a, if an animal dies in front of me, I cry. I will never kill an animal in my life. But it proves that when people say we're the only terrible creatures on the planet that would do that, no, they're not. There's all kind of animals that kill other animals for game, just for fun. So that's all I'm saying. Debbie Downer. All right. Bing. So, wow, bing. wow. So the other fight, let's talk about Mike Perry. Fuck him, Mike Perry. Look at the picture. He has a picture of his nose is actually a Z. I have never seen a nose that bad. That's like from a massive car accident nose. That's, That's terrible. It, it, he, let me just tell you about it. And he kept fighting. He, he's not going to quit. <laughs> How bad do you want to accomplish your dreams? Would you be willing to go through this kind of shit to accomplish? He didn't even, he didn't even flinch. He kept coming. He kept coming and coming. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, if you're listening to this only, that describing the picture really doesn't do it no. justice. No, if you're really listening, bad. Google Mike Perry. Mike Perry's nose. <laughs> Just Mike Perry's nose on Google and go to images. Just realize he's already bleeding. He's cut over his eye. I think he's cut over both eyes. And then this happens to his nose. With all this blood, he was bleeding profusely. Then this broken nose happened. There was no quit. He doesn't even take one backward step. Some people they get up. Oh, I can't go to school today. I got a you know I got a hangover, or I can't do this because my leg hurts a little bit. You don't want it that bad if that's what you're gonna do. This is wanting it. Mike Perry. You might not like him. He's he is a little controversial, but love him or hate him, he fucking goes for it. He goes for it. He's not trying to go for a, uh, just not losing. He's trying to go for a win, no matter what. Even when his nose is all over the place. I thought he won that fight. Very, it, was a, it was a split decision. Split decision loss. Yeah. I thought he won. Um, but I can, see, I can see the other side of it. I, I wouldn't have complained if he was my fighter. But if I was the judge, I would have given it to him. Um, it was really close. But that, uh, the guy he fought, uh, Vicente. Yeah, Luque. Vicente is a fucking badass. He's a fucking assassin. He's like a quiet assassin, and Mike Perry is a very unquiet assassin. Uh, both, I thought, were equally effective in, in, their, in their different ways. Um, Vicente did not leave this fight unscathed. He got, he got his share, too. But Mike Perry is one of the toughest fucking guys in the world. He's and he like, moves forward like after he, this. He, he, he got caught in a guillotine after this, and he was bleeding so bad. Um, I think because he was getting choked and just all the blood was like collecting in his head and his nose was broken this badly. It was pretty. It, they got fight of the night, I believe. I hope so. There is absolutely no no stuff. Nothing taken away from Vicente. He had a great fight too. 
tough as shit too. He got he got hammered by Michael Perry. There's Mike Perry. There's no no quitting him either. But the reason I'm pointing out Mike Perry so much is he puts it out there. He you just know he's gonna put it out there, and you know he puts it out there verbally, and then he backs everything up physically. There's no there's no fucking tapping shit with him. You know if bloody I can't go in. Oh my fucking this hurts. I got my my vagina hurts. I can't go to work today, or I can't train anymore. I, you know, my clit hurts. You know, there's none of that shit with Mike Perry. He's just fucking going. His nose is all over the place. He's still just trying to knock the guy out. I love Mike. So Perry. this, his nose is all over the place because of a knee, but a knee in the third round. And there was another fight that was stopped in the prelims. I yeah. think I saw the pictures. Oh, yeah. I got a picture of it somewhere, but um. Yeah. This fight yeah. got stopped uh Paiva because he had this horrible cut over right. his over right. his eye. It was really just like a flap of tissue and his skull is exposed. This should have the doctor stopped this, I think, for a good reason. He got stitched up. Those things heal really well, but it could have gotten a lot worse. So who that, was that was another Who was, was he losing? I didn't see the fight. Yeah. But that was another knee. And I was going to ask you, I saw these knees and they changed, you know, I don't know in the Mike Perry fight if it changed the outcome, but definitely changed the way Mike Perry looked. Yeah. If that happened to you in, in self-defense, if that happened to your attacker where their nose got broken that badly, I don't know that they'd be like Mike Perry and keep coming forward. But what do you think about knees like that in the street or in self-defense? Because they work definitely work in the cage. They do, but let me tell you something. No matter how bad his nose looks, how much he's bleeding, you... Don't stop defending yourself till they are completely unconscious. Well, and I think I think it probably affected his breathing for sure. You know, yeah. not can breathe through that nose anymore. No. But what do you think about knees like that? These are I think that was a flying knee that the Luke versus Perry knee, or maybe both of them were. But what about using that as a technique for uh, self defense? I know firsthand. I've actually stopped someone in the street with a knee once. That's a true story. One of the toughest street fights I've ever had. Um, the problem with a knee in the street um, is if you're in a clinch and somebody's down, like trying to grab you and take you down, and you lift up that one knee, a lot of people get taken down while their knee's up in the air. So one thing you have to be careful with is you have to make sure your opponent is off balance and your knee goes up and then you slam it back down quickly. It has to go like pop, pop. A lot of people knee and they leave it up for a second for effect. And then they, their knee gets grabbed and they get steamrolled over. A lot of times you don't want to throw a knee is in the street is if your opponent's coming forward because you're on one knee, he could run you over a lot easier because you're on one leg. Okay, But there are times where if different positions, if your opponent isn't in a, a good position to take you down, where you could throw solid knees. And the best part about a knee is you can throw it as hard as you can and you're not gonna you're not gonna hurt yourself. Like you could punch someone as hard as you can, hit them in the head and break your hand. You could even elbow somebody and you could hurt your elbow, believe it or not. Not as easily, but you can. But with a knee, you can throw it as hard as you can. And the worst I've seen injury to a knee that way would be like if they hit somebody's elbow and it hurt for a second. But you 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 have the confidence knowing it's a weapon that's not gonna be hurt if you throw it as hard as you can but the biggest problem with throwing it is you're open for a takedown 
Yeah, and like, I, I wouldn't throw a flying knee in the street unless I was a black belt at flying knees and I did it all the time and I felt that confident doing it. But when you're in the air, don't forget, I forget who it was fighting Fedor, they threw like a flying elbow, uh, flying knee and he caught them with an overhand right at the same time and they fell down. They were in the air and they went crashing down and I think they got knocked out. But if that was on the street and, and you got you fell from flying for a flying knee, you're going to crack your head open. You'll probably die. But with that said, if that's a last-ditch effort, then I would throw it. But knees can be very effective, but you got to be careful. They're not as safe as an elbow. But that's something we always do in our classes. Yeah. You get them off balance with the tie clinch and then you knee. That, that, yeah. That's how you're supposed to. You get them off balance and you knee, you can hurt them all day long. Now, talking about the main event. Very um, different than the... Mike Perry. It was like nine day, nine day. Let me just tell you. Um, Carmouche and uh, Valentina. Boring, boring, boring. Okay. But with that said, great, great, great. So it was boring to watch um, just because they both nullified each other. But it was great, great, great because they both, obviously, you could tell... They both had so much skill um, that it nullified each other. So, but Valentina saying that though, she did get the upper hand in yeah, every round. Every round. Whether it was a takedown attempt that she completely stuffed, or she got her own takedown yeah. and reversed it, or just her strikes. Her strikes got through, whereas Karamush's strikes really didn't get through. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't yeah. an exciting fight at all, but valentina showed all she was just one notch above it showed being nullified it, it showed a lot it showed a lot it showed a lot that uh um that valentina is a champion and she's a great champion she has so much personality um and she's so good um those two things i think make her they she stands out i mean her personality her charisma her attitude i she's She's definitely one of my favorite fighters, girl or guy. Um, and, you know, her head kick knockouts to just how good she is. And then Carmouche is a fucking badass, but she wasn't skilled enough to beat Valentina anymore. She beat her once. Well, you think, though, what goes through her head leading up to this fight is watching Valentina's last fight. I think she fought Jessica I. We talked about it yeah. with that head kick. You got to be thinking about that the whole time. She's going to kick me in the head. So I think that nullifies a little bit of her offense or attack, probably, just mentally. Yeah. So it just kind of led to this fight that didn't go anywhere. And then Karamuch, I think, wanted a rematch, but she didn't really do enough that they're probably going to give her a rematch right away for that. She'd have to work her way back to her. I think she came in number three in her division. Kamush. Yeah. And she probably will stay there. I mean, she, I don't think she should have gone down on this fight, but uh, her I don't think she should go down in her ranking, but she definitely, uh, I don't think is going to move up. So, kind of boring fight. Great fighter as in Valentina. Karmouche, hang in there. You're going to be back, and I think you're still up there. You're not quite as up there as Valentina, but I think I think you beat just just about anyone else in that division. So. I, was, I was more entertained with the post-fight show when they talk to Valentina because yeah. she's so positive and um, 
she talks about martial arts and the reason she's doing what she's doing is she loves doing it. She loves the martial arts aspect. She loves trying to find an opening. She likes trying to figure out her opponent. She's like, it's not about the money or the fame or anything for me. It's about the martial arts behind it. And I really like that. She's super positive and positive about her opponent and just yeah. loves what she does. Yeah, I think she's a great, she has a great reason for doing what she does and she just loves it. You can't not like her. Yeah. yeah. If you don't so, like her, you're a fucking douchebag. Nobody can dislike Valentina. I, I, I say the same with Carmouche. How can you not like her? Fucking ex-Marine, fucking badass. She, I mean, she's a fighter. She just lost. But you can't not like her. Doesn't run her mouth. I mean, she's just a, she's just a fucking hardcore fighter. So you can't not like her. You know, so bang. You can, you can not like Meg Perry. You know, if there's a lot of ways you could not like Meg Perry. I love him myself, but I could see not liking him because he's got he, the charisma factor though that I think gets oh him a lot of fans. Yeah, God. Yeah, he's fucking. Yeah, I love him. So, so what else are we gonna talk about? Well, so what? So what? What do you do with this time away that you have? Is it a chance for you to like reset and look at goals or anything like that? Yeah, I do that a lot. I'm, I'm, people don't realize that I'm, I do that because they think, ah, he's a karate guy. I mean, I carry this around all the time. I mean, I, I have my goals written out. I'm, everywhere I go, I have all my, I go through all my goals for the week and for the month and yada yada. Uh, I plan the curriculum. I come up with new techniques, new left hooks all the time. Uh, I watch fights, like studying these fights, like what could I do different? You know, how, what, how could I do this? How could I teach my guys to do this? Um, what would work here in this fight? That's, how could that work in the street? A lot of the things have to be changed from, from sport to street and vice versa. So I spent a lot of time doing that, man. I mean, my wife is like, she could just see me all the time writing shit, studying shit, watching films. Um, and when I go to Coronado, um, I try to overall plan the quarter but also just relax more. And we just had a lot of family time, walked a lot, went boogie boarding a lot, ate out a lot, ate a lot of ice cream. Oh my God, ate so much ice cream. And we just had a great time. And when I'm here, I mean, I always think of, uh, like, I always think of, uh, like, I think of it as a hardcore, like, sprint. Everything we do is a sprint. And then we rest. I don't think of it as a marathon. I don't think of, I don't need long vacations. And to me, it's like a sprint. Like, it's a round. Like, five minute round, then a minute off, you know. So, that's how I think of my vacations. So, like, four days in, I'm ready to come home. I don't think I'll ever go on more than a five, six day vacation. Like I think we were gone six days, which is perfect. Is it? But it's nice to be home. Even it though is. we were at such an amazing place, it's good to be home. It is. But can but, you imagine guys that do these like month long vacations? I couldn't even imagine going on a month long vacation. That's just not in the cards for me. But I would want to be I just I, I miss the dogs too much. You know, I miss my town too much. I miss the gym too much. It's like to me, a week is the top end. Four days Four and a half days is a perfect vacation. You need that time to be recentered. Well, I said, so while I was on my vacation, I did read an article about, you probably know who he is, Warren Buffett. He's like the richest guy in the world or something. But he made all his money from nothing in the stock market and business and whatever else. But someone asked him in an interview, like, what's your, you know, what's your secret to happiness? If you had anything to do over 
differently? How would you do it? And I think you brought up a couple points. Was one was don't do a job you hate, even if it's to get you farther in life. And number two was don't work with anyone you don't like, even if it's making you money. And uh, I think that's good advice. I think you got to surround yourself with yeah. with people that are like-minded and that do things you like to do. Even They don't have to be like-minded, but yeah. people that you're happy to hang out with and to be with. You only have so much time. Right. It's, and you've got plenty of other things you could be doing, but doing the things that you enjoy doing or people that you enjoy doing them with. I think that's a good one. Finite time is very finite. But with that said, I think at our stage we can do that. But I think when you're first starting out, you have to do things you don't want to do if you have a goal in mind. If okay. they're, yeah, I agree with that to achieve your goal. That's yeah. doing something, but right. you don't necessarily have to spend time yeah. with people you don't like. Then that's the second one. You so need then, to find a different career. Right. Spending time with people you don't like, I agree with that one even more. Um, and I think cleaning that up is, 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 is a key to a lot more happiness than hanging around people you dislike. And doing things you don't like, I believe it more now than ever. And I've kind of fit into that where the things I don't really like, I'm just, almost everything I dislike, which I used to spend a lot of time doing things I dislike to get to the things I like, now I've realized you can delegate almost everything out that you dislike to, to get to what you really want. And that's not like, you don't have to be rich to do that. There's like, it's, it's I mean, there's ways to do it. Um, Michael Hyatt has a really good system and a book and a lot of stuff on that. But one of his books is called Free to Focus. And he talks a lot about delegating. And you don't have to be rich to delegate. You just, you should not, finite. Your life is finite. Your time is finite. And you just shouldn't do, certain things I didn't like doing, I was doing. Which I don't do anymore. And, because other people do them. Because everything you don't like to do, somebody loves it. Like, do you think there's a lot of people that like to get punched in the face? Get their fucking nose broken? No. Mike Perry loves it. There's somebody that loves everything, right? I mean, I could get crass, and I'm not going to right now because I'm not in that mood, but I would. Maybe I should. No, I won't. Anyway, but, I mean, like, there's people that love to fucking clean up. You know what I mean? And some people hate teaching martial arts. Then there's people that love it. So you can always find someone to do the things you don't like, and you can take on more of the things you like. Michael Hyatt's book is called uh, Free to Focus. But I think doing things you don't like to do to get yourself farther, to get to that goal you want to be at is fine. I think yeah. just submitting to a job that you hate and that's just yeah. the job you're going to do is what I'm talking about. Right, and, 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 and I think the majority of our population, it's one reason we're so fucking miserable and fucking violent and so fucking hateful is because so many people are willing to trade five for two you know what I mean? Five days just for two off, and then 30 years for like 10 years of retirement. They're willing to suffer for 30 years of a job they fucking hate just so they can have, you know, 10 years of retirement before they die. So, yeah, I mean, I'd rather make less and, 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 and do something I love. And thank God, and I do thank God every single day, I get to do what I love. And I never really did what, anything I hated. I mean, I did not hate being a registered nurse, I'll tell you that. That was a really fun job. Um, and now I went from somebody something I really like doing. I never dreaded, oh, I got to go back to work this week. 
being an RN is like ER work and shit. I liked it. I never was like, oh, Jerry, I could live in for the weekend. Like, I never looked halfway through the shit, uh, the week as an RN in the ER going, oh, when's the weekend? I never did. It was like fun at work and then fun when I was off work. I was working and then when I was off, I was training and then I go to sleep and repeat. You know, but now that I run a gym, it's like, it's a fucking holiday all day. I, that's one reason I don't even care to go on vacation. This is like a vacation. We're doing this right now. You know what I mean? So, and then you get to do what you love, obviously. Yeah, I get to totally do what I love. I can't say that about all my colleagues that I went through training with that picked different careers. I just think I picked the right one. But for me, it's the right fit because I like to fix stuff and go on and then fix something else. Yeah. But it's super rewarding for me. That's what I love to do. But, like I said, you, you know, even if you're doing something, you might go, oh, I don't like doing this. It's what you make out of it. And I try to tell my kids that, you know, it's an old saying, but life's what you make out of it. Yeah. And you got to enjoy the moment you're in. You can't plan for some time 10 years from now that then you'll be happy. you got to be happy doing what you're doing now and find something about what you're doing now that you'd like to do. That's why I'm here doing this right now. What would we rather, what would <laughs> we rather be doing? Then there's nothing I'd rather do right now. So John and I would get together and talk about these fights anyway. So that's why we're just... And we're, now we're doing it for you guys. <laughs> and, and yeah. So, but anyway. Thanks. All right, good. Good to see you back. Thanks for coming, guys. Be happy. Michael Hyatt's book, Free to Focus. And no, I'm not being sponsored by him. <laughs>